0: minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast
1: hello everyone and welcome to a pack a day podcast it is wednesday june the 5th i am your host this evening not the voice that you're probably used to hearing i am jacob westendorf nick schmitz has decided on his very own will to leave us be and fill out addresses for wedding invitations. So, Owen, I, I don't believe he asked you or myself for our address. But Nick, if you're listening, I'm just going to assume we are invited to the wedding, and if not, we are going to crash it. So, as I mentioned, Owen Reese is with me. Owen, what should we, what, uh, what role should we play when we crash this wedding?
2: Well, I think that really depends on how long we want a pregame before we get her.
1: That's a fair question.
2: Because depending on our state of mind could vastly change how we move
0: forward.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Um, Let's see. I think the default plan, like if we get nothing else, is we can be from Vermont and own our own maple syrup conglomerate to completely copy the wedding crush. (laughs) So that's what we're going to go with. Uh, first things first we want to get to is, as we record, it's June 4th. It is National Cheese Day today. You can't not bring that up. It's a Packers podcast. How do you how do you just let that pass by? So, Owen, oh, I know it's hard, especially you are from Wisconsin, born and raised. I am a defect. I just kind of lived there for a couple years. So what is your favorite dish to add cheese to?
2: Okay, so... Does, like, mac and cheese count? I know that's probably kind of a cop-out, but, like, at or – yeah, I don't know. Yeah, probably, like, mac and cheese, but I'm going to throw this kicker in. I was at a wedding this weekend, speaking of weddings, and they had a mac and cheese bar at, like, 10 o'clock at night, which was very clutch. But you had, like – so you had the mac and cheese, but then you had, like, shredded, uh, shredded cheese or, like, jalapenos or other toppings you could put on there. And that was pretty phenomenal. Um, so I don't know. I'm not, I'm not very original. I mean, I, I eat a lot of cheese and a lot cheese with all things, but most of them are designed to have cheese. Sure. So I, I, will be a poor answer to this question.
1: Uh, I mean, there's, I mean, there's no bad answer, I guess I'm going to go with just your regular, I actually enjoy adding like bacon to a grilled cheese sandwich, putting it on like sourdough bread and grilling it that way. I think that's really good. homemade macaroni and cheese that's one of my favorite dishes in the world my mom makes the best i've ever had so i enjoy that where they tell me it's out of season to be eating macaroni and cheese i have no idea what that means i think that's a a year-round kind of food but we wanted to acknowledge that especially considering i wonder if the packers do you think that with their having an open ota to the public today do you think they planned that or was that just coincidental
2: I think it was probably pretty coincidental, but it, it certainly works and it gives the social media team some content, so um, no worries for that. Uh, but, yeah, for sure, I, I think mac and cheese is definitely a no off-season food, uh, especially if you can go and get it in down south too. It's so thick. It's, it's different down there. It's, it's good. Don't get me wrong. All mac and cheese is good, but down south it's thick and it's really good. What is your favorite type of cheese?
1: Uh, my favorite type of cheese? Te- wow, that's a good question.
2: Because, like, I'm a pepper jack and, like, Munster guy.
1: Yeah, I like pepper jack. I like cheddar, like sharp cheddar. Uh, White cheese, so, like, mozzarella or white cheddar, I really like that. I like adding white cheddar to my popcorn. Uh, Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I can even narrow it to just one. Um, So you said pepper jack and Munster? Yes. Okay, so that's not a bad little mix. I do like pepper jack. Provolone's not bad. I have a few things that I'll have to keep trying, but um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna move on from that one. Just wanted to give you guys a little fun anecdote to start here. Oh, and I want to speaking s- of
2: not being, yeah, speaking of not being able to narrow it down, it'll be a tough decision for the Packers to narrow down their running backs. We were talking about this before we started airing, uh, and from all reports that we've seen, Capri Bibbs uh, has been very good during these OTAs for what that's worth. Uh, I think that's a, he, he played well at the end of last year when the Packers picked him up, and I think he's really been a guy that's played pretty well wherever he's been. He just uh, unfortunately hasn't seemed to been anywhere that long. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you think the Packers could keep four running backs?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, they talked about having a, you know, needing multiple backs. Uh, some of that they said it had to do with Aaron Jones' conditioning, which by all accounts we're starting to get those best shape of his life tweets and all that sort of stuff. It just happens to be Aaron Jones's turn this time around uh, for the Packers. But I don't think it's crazy. I know it hasn't really been discussed a lot, but if Capri Bibbs, he, first of all, he provides special teams value. Uh, he didn't return a lot of kickoffs, but he was back there to return kicks at the end of last season. Now, I know last season was basically a wash, but he does provide some value there. He did play some special teams in some other slots as well uh, throughout the you know last part of the regular season there. And he's been pretty good whenever he's gotten an opportunity. The problem is those opportunities, he's basically been caught in a numbers game. Somebody that was brought back that had more familiarity, like Chris Thompson came off of an injury for Washington, or Rob Kelly, who, Owen, you informed me, is not fat anymore, so I can't call him Fat Rob, which is unfortunate. But he came back. So Bibbs got kind of pushed out there. I That could be a possibility here in Green Bay, don't get me wrong. But if you think about it, dexter williams is a sixth round pick i know he kind of fits this offense perfectly uh and a lot of people are kind of penciling him in to overtake jamal williams i don't think that'll be happen at the start of the season but eventually that is going to be something i think that takes place if williams is able to reach his ceiling uh or at least flash some potential early in camp he's not going to reach a ceiling his rookie year obviously or at least you hope not um capri bibbs I think that's somebody that again. If you need a fourth running back, you're asking him for what? Kind of like that seventh receiver conversation, sixth, seventh receiver we were talking about a couple weeks back with uh, when Nick was here, and that is, do they provide value on specials? And can they? I mean, you're really only asking them to step in at a pinch. Is that guy? Is this going to be a guy who can run for a thousand yards? No, but can he contribute? Step in, know the offense at minimum, because that was the problem. Remember when Green Bay had Christine Michael,
2: dude.
1: Yes. <laughs> I mean, Michael couldn't, like, he was talented. Yeah. And it seemed like once a game, Rodgers would turn around, like, to the left, and Michael's running right, and nobody knows what the hell he's doing. So you can't really put somebody on the field if he doesn't know what's going on. So I think keeping four running backs is definitely a possibility, especially if you know, Bibbs is somebody they – they picked him up on waivers last year to kind of give him a look. He didn't get a ton in terms of carries and such, but he's a capable player and somebody that they clearly like and kept him around for the offseason. And they could have had opportunities to draft other running backs higher, and they didn't. They waited all the way to the sixth round to get Dexter Williams. So that makes me wonder if they're higher on Bibbs than others. So you were talking about this on Twitter. You really like it. What are your thoughts on you know Capri Bibbs and his ability to stick around the roster
2: yeah it's i'm still much more probably more like a running backs truther than most of twitter is um but i I, mean keeping four backs even with a fullback we discussed this i think dan vitale is at least thus far a pretty good bet to, to make this team uh having four backs to me isn't a bad thing uh, in particular, if one of them is on the, the practice squad, whether I don't know if Bibbs eligibility left or not, or, or whether or not they can sneak Dexter Williams down there. Um, you know, but it's really not that far fetched to, and we've seen this before, it's week six and Aaron Jones is up. doesn't mean he's out for the year, but, you know, whether he's in a limited capacity where he can only have a certain amount of snaps that week, or if he's out that week, um, you know, it, it's certainly a value to have, you know, whether or not. Uh, Bibbs or Williams are, are on the inactive list most weeks, but then all of a sudden it's a game time decision. Aaron Jones can't go. We got three Bibbs as our third back now. Um, and it's a guy that can run multiple concepts. I think he'll be comfortable in that outside zone scheme. He ran a lot of that at Colorado State uh, the one year he was there. And he's also shown to be a good outside zone guy. He was good at the Redskins last year. Um, you know, he's he's been pretty solid almost everywhere he's been. He just hasn't had a ton of opportunity anywhere, but, um So, like, to me, it's gonna become. It's gonna come down to a few things. One, can you can you offer mobile concepts? Can you pass protect? And then, do you offer value on specials? You know, that's the three things. And unless they you know, they bring someone else in, and they've got Trey Carson on the roster, and you know, really want to do that. But to me, I, I don't think it's far fetched that he makes the team. And, and I think that, like I said, having that fourth back to where you know Dan Vitali is. I think a guy who's probably pretty comfortable catching the ball, but he didn't run with run. It wasn't I, I don't expect like an Aaron Ripkowski situation there. Um, you know, so I don't think it's out of the question that they carry four but I think Bibbs is, is probably about as good an option as you're gonna find, uh, whether in the current free agency pool or or around the league as far as practice squad thefts.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned it. I mean, Aaron Jones, as good as he's been, has not played a full season. And I mean, we've seen it in Green Bay before. I remember Eddie Lacy's final year in Green Bay. I mean, Ty Montgomery played running back by accident because the Packers only kept two running backs. Lacy played hurt and essentially ended his career in Green Bay by playing hurt in that particular game. And all they had was James Starks, who eventually also got hurt because, surprise, football players get hurt at times. Um, and, I, I mean, I think that I thought they may have overcompensated for it uh, last year, or even the year before that, to uh, to keep that from happening again, and they didn't. So, with Lafleur being able to, I mean, the New England Patriots. Granted, I don't ever want to compare to the Patriots because they're the Patriots, but they keep eyeball numbers at roster positions all the time. And like you mentioned, keeping Vitali, I think that's about a given at this point as well. So you'd have five running backs. They would have to find a different position uh, to cut from but you'll kind of see what their plans and thoughts are on those position groups as we get through the preseason because eventually, you know, I know we've talked about six, seven wide receivers because I think we're kind of conditioned to think needing multiple wide receivers is a thing with Mike McCarthy because of his offense and his wanting to spread things out, play with multiple receiver sets. And with Matt LaFleur, that may very well not be the case. We'll kind of see more as it goes throughout uh, training as we get into training camp and then the preseason as well. But, yeah, four running backs is certainly a possibility. Something that I don't think is a possibility is something you tweeted earlier today, Owen, and that's you went through starters from last season and who they are now this year. And I want to start with the one that I think a lot of the fanfare has come on the defensive acquisitions, and I get it. Some eye popping numbers for Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and even Adrian Amos players they signed as free agents. Both of their first round picks were defensive players. Rashawn Gary at twelve traded up to get Darnell Savage. But to me, the biggest upgrade that Green Bay will see in their first season is that Byron Bell and Justin McCray has now become Billy Turner. And I don't need to talk you into too much about wanting to talk about the offensive line. I know that seems to be a topic every single week, which is fine. Um, certainly as somebody who used to play that position as well, I understand that. Uh, but I mean, just tell me a little bit, Billy Turner. Here, I said this to you before the show. You know, he only has to be average, and that is a massive upgrade because last year, I don't know who you thought was better between Justin <laughs> McRae and Byron Bell. I think the right answer to that question is, does it really matter? Because both were pretty bad. But with that in mind. They didn't pay Billy Turner $28 million to be average. Clearly they think he's a very good player. Aaron Rodgers has spoken highly of him. But just tell me a little bit, what do you think, how big of an upgrade this can be if he is absolutely able to stay healthy and replace those two guys from last year?
2: Right. I think the first thing is it's important to, uh, to point out or to contextualize that I don't think Byron Bell and Justin McCray are that bad. They just shouldn't be starting, and I think that's a a a not an advantageous position to put them in to succeed. So, I mean, and as we see this, Byron Bell is not on the team anymore, but Justin McCray is still around, and he's and he's a versatile guy. He's played a ton of different positions along the offensive line. Uh, You know, Andy Ehrman tweeted today he was practicing snapping with Tim Boyle during uh, during practice today, and. And that's something that the more value you can add in tweets that uh, Cole Madison has been practicing at center and, uh, you know, there's a lot of other guys, uh, Luke Patrick, we talked about too. Um, You know, so there's a lot of guys in that, that mixed or backup range. uh, And that's fine. And like I said, even Byron Bell at the time last year, when they signed him, I didn't expect him to start. And I'm like, well, that's not awful. You know, he's, He's not great, but he's solid and he's a turn. And if that's your backup it's inside offense, interior offensive lineman, then you're doing okay. So getting that out of the way, I think Turner is a big upgrade, um, both as a pass protector in particular over Bell. Um and in the run game with as with his athleticism, uh we you know the Packers want to play this outside zone, this stretch zone stuff, and I think Turner will be a, a good good key there. Um he played college tackle and, and maybe wasn't uh quite athletic enough to be like a big time NFL athlete tackle, but but certainly a better athlete than a lot of the guards in the NFL, and and having that inside, having that tackle pass probability inside, certainly never hurts. Um, so I think you're right. Uh, you know, even I, I don't expect him to. I expect him to be good. Uh, you know, like I said, he, they put a pretty sizable investment into him, uh, so I wouldn't ex- wouldn't expect him to uh, to play poorly. Even whether or not that's that's fair. Um, but I think he'll be, uh, like I said, by default, I think he's an upgrade, Uh, and and depending on how good he plays, uh, we'll we'll show whether or not that contract is worth that or not. Uh, I I do think, like I said, he gives a lot of options. Uh, Cole Anderson obviously didn't play last year and and was away from the team. So, first of all, glad to see him back. Good to see him in camp Um, and glad that he's in a uh, better mental state, I suppose, or a better position in life. Uh, his issues figured out. Um, so that's awesome. Uh, Justin McCray, uh, Lucas Patrick. I know Alex Lights has played inside at times. Uh, I believe Andy said he was playing outside today. But, uh, you know, a lot of the guys, Banbanky, I believe, is a big guard at times. Uh, and then obviously you've got the second round pick, Elton Jenkins, who's played center and guard uh, both at Mississippi State. And at, I believe they started him at uh, right guard today. Blaga didn't play. So I believe he was at right guard and Billy Turner was at right tackle, which, again, more versatility. Is um, always good. So uh, even if is, is a play turn is a, an emergency tackle and you bump in Elton Jenkins to play right guard, it's a hell of a lot better than playing Josh Walker or Barclay Barclay. or <laughs> Kyle Murphy or Latroy Guyon at Bard <laughs> or any of these former scenarios the Packers have been in. Um, I, I do think while, like, I'm not going to sit here and say that the, from, I don't know, from, like, O-linemen seven through – nine or ten, or some, you know, like, gangbusters or some world beaters, there's certainly better depth than there's been there in the past. Uh, and, and, like I said, that, that increased depth, the biggest thing, there's always a there's always on the offensive line. I think, like, the Rams were, like, the only team last year that they started the same five guys all 16 games. Um, you know, a lot of guys get beat up a physical position. A lot of bodies flying around, knees and ankles, and other uh, vulnerable forward strategies. So... Um, having the more more capable, versatile guys is the, the better, uh, and, and the Packers have been hamstrung there, um, you know, over the past few years quite a bit. I just don't see that happening this year. So whether or not Billy Turner is an emergency tackle, um, starting right guard, uh, a backup interior guard, if he gets you now whatever the case may be, he's an upgrade for sure. Um, like I said, the, the contract certainly dictates. I think he's probably a starter, but at that point, then um, you know, there's just a lot of a lot more chess pieces. Uh, to, to move around in a lot more possibilities, which is always good from a coaching standpoint when you're not uh, forced into a decision based on players' inability to to be versatile or to be competent at different spots.
1: Thankfully, I don't think we'll ever have to see someone like Josh Sitton step out and play left tackle. I think Lane Taylor did Lane some Taylor. left tackle stuff. Yep. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Josh Walker and Don Barclay. That game is on like the mantle of Anytime that you hear somebody bitch about the Packers drafting an offensive lineman, Owen, you should just send them a box score of 38-8 Cardinals over Packers because I will never forget Don Barclay at left tackle and Josh Walker at right tackle. And I nearly watched Aaron Rodgers die on national television that day because those guys couldn't get in the way of anybody. And like you mentioned, those are... Those are like backup offensive linemen, but they're not capable of even just playing at an average level. And some of those guys you mentioned, Alex Light, um, Elton Jenkins, Cole Madison, Justin McRae, you know, whomever, that's really all you're asking for if they're starting. Because for the most part, backup offensive linemen, I mean, backups are backups for a reason, and you don't want your backup offensive linemen playing. It's not a position where people rotate in and out. It's very rare that... There are a good player, that a team is good enough to run 6, seven, 8 deep. Uh, and what you really have to do is kind of compensate for a player's flaws and deficiencies. That's why the Patriots have been as successful as they have been because they've taken some guys that maybe aren't as talented and found a way to make them successful. So that's one upgrade. Uh, otherwise, most of your stuff focused on the defense. We're talking about you know, Zadarius Smith is now what Nick Perry used to be, and Clay Matthews has turned into Preston Smith. And Haha ha Clinton Dix is Darnell Savage, and Adrian Amos is Kentrell Bryce. And you didn't even mention that, you know, Rashawn Gary was somebody who has stepped in another big talented body in that front seven. Of the guys on defense, which one we mentioned Turner on offense, obviously, which one do you think uh presents the chance to be the biggest upgrade over the guy that was starting at that position a season ago?
2: I don't know if Preston Smith will be a huge upgrade over like Perry or Clay Matthews in particular, whichever spot he plays. I've just been a huge fan of Preston Smith for a long time. Um, I really liked him coming out of the draft out of Mississippi State. Um, I love Scott McLuhan. He's like my favorite general manager ever, and that was 100%. Like, he drafted Brandon Scherf in the first round, and he's Preston Smith in the second round. And he's like, we're getting big-ass kicker football players. So I've just been a huge fan of him for a long time. He always kind of got – the short end there because for a while the Redskins had uh Ryan Kerrigan and Preston Smith and Junior Gallette and they drafted Ryan Anderson like they've had good pass rushers there um for quite a while and a lot of those guys other than Kerrigan never got like a full-time load because they were just they had a lot of the dudes they were trying to get on feet I'm really excited to see Preston Smith like step in and like start and be like the primary dude um, obviously, Zadarius Smith is, comes with his accolade as well from Baltimore. Um, I, I get a lot of Pernell McPhee vibes out of Zadarius Smith, and that's a good thing um, before Pernell McPhee's knees were made out of paper mache. But Preston Smith, to me, it's probably my answer. Like I said, I've been a huge fan of him for, for multiple years. He was a guy I, since the middle of last season, was the enemy that I wanted the Packers to target in free agency. Um, and, and I was very happy that they did, obviously. But um, he's a guy I'm pretty excited to see. I think he's a guy that um, is is Nick. He's a better Nick Perry, um, like 2016 Nick Perry, you know, or like before that contract or like that contract year of Nick Perry. I think Preston Smith is better than that. Um, and, and I'm not here to beat up on Nick Perry. He's been hurt a lot, and that's contrary to what Packer fans want to think. That's not usually the player's fault. Um, so. But to me, um, you know, obviously the, the Smiths will be a, a storyline moving through the year, but to me Preston's a, a big-time acquisition, and I think that like finally given a chance to really be in a premier role with someone like Mike Patton who wants those big, bully outside linebackers, I think he's really in a good spot here every day.
1: Interesting. He's kind of like the forgotten man of their free agent signings just because I think it, maybe it was because he was the last one to – actually sign, I don't know. Maybe it's because he's not as vocal. Again, I I can't say for sure. Um, I'm going to go Adrian Amos over Kentrell Bryce. I know they're going to kind of interchange the safety role, so that's part of it, but that's the one you used. Kentrell Bryce is not good at football. He was a special teams player. uh, And in the safety position...
2: You must the name of human missile on kickoff Bryce.
1: Okay, so he's good on special teams. There you go. So I apologize. but Otherwise, I mean... I just – Adrian Amos, again, he's another one of those players like we talked about with Billy Turner of if he is just average, doesn't even have to be good, doesn't have to live up to his contract. If he's just average, it's worth it and it makes Green Bay's defense better. And for those that don't remember, I know Green Bay's defense kind of fell off at the very end of the year, uh, but Mike Patton was also making chicken salad out of – I mean, at some point you just run out of stuff and run out of players –
2: their fourth okay so multiple multiple spots on the defense were bad i think they signed like three different safeties off of waivers that played significant minutes they had their current edge four had ten and a half sacks um like it was just not a good time all around that defense last year and i think that's a huge endorsement that that they were able to remain competitive this continue
1: Right. I mean, uh, Eddie Pleasant, you mentioned. I mean, we're talking about wanting to bring back Ibrahim Campbell, and I'm not saying that to say that Campbell's a bad player, but it's just like Ibrahim Campbell was somebody that wasn't on the roster, and I'm going to be willing to bet you most casual Packers fans had never heard of before he played a snap in Green Bay. And now we're talking about a guy that could be around uh, once training camp hits here in the next month or so. But, again, Amos is a player who he's been durable, knock on wood, for most of his career, and he's been a sound assignment player, which the Packers haven't really had at their safety position. Now, has he had the you know the sexy numbers, the interceptions, the forced fumbles? No. Could that come? Maybe. But even if they don't, again, you're just asking for average, and that's really it at this point in time uh, for what you're looking for. But I think he can be more than average. And you're talking about some rookies and stuff like that as well, obviously with guys like Gary. Uh, and Darnell Savage, who I've mentioned as far as being excited about. Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, that's four new starters. And your third edge guy with the way they're planning to use um, Zadarius Smith as far as an interior rusher goes, now you're talking about a potential to bring you know a, a four-man pass rush package that they didn't have last year. And that's something that I think is always going to be – uh, positive thing the best teams at the end of the year good on the offensive line like we've talked about and they're also good and deep on the defensive line for those that remember a really good example for recent memory uh, is the philadelphia eagles the new england patriots are a good example they're always a good example but the philadelphia eagles team that just won a super bowl uh not this past season but the year before that fletcher cox Bl- brandon graham chris long they had a lot of guys that they can move in and out and you can see that's the way the packers are trying to build that front seven on their defensive line. So that's something that'll be exciting. Uh, Speaking of excitement, the kick return game is going to be of of note. Some guys that were back there today, you had Teo Gooding, you had Jawell Davis, Trevor Davis, um, Aaron Jones, and Jair Alexander. Or the way that you put it before the show, Owen, was two guys that'll definitely make the roster, two guys that won't. And one guy that will, if he's deemed the winner of the return battle. So the interesting ones were you saw Mike McCarthy was pretty reluctant to put his best return guys on special teams, or excuse me, his starters on special teams. Uh, Randall Cobb being an exception at points in time, but they tried forever to get him off of special teams once he became a key cog in their offense. And once that happened. Well, yeah, it does. It makes sense. It, uh, you know, Cobb's kind of a smaller guy too, but you saw it as soon as what 2012 when they had Jeremy Ross, they tried to fit him back there as a punt returner. When Micah Hyde was here, he eventually kind of took over those duties as the primary punt returner, and then when he left, Cobb found himself back there quite a bit, and most of the time it's been because McCarthy essentially said, I don't care what you get as far as return yardage goes, just catch the damn ball. And that's really what the Packers have failed to find, is somebody that can catch the ball, and that was on punt returns. Kickoff returns have been kind of a revolving door as well. Uh, so that's what makes this interesting, is that Aaron Jones and Jair Alexander were back there. Alexander had a brief stint at returning punts. He was a good punt returner in college at Louisville. Is this something you actually think is going to happen? Are they going to throw Jair Alexander back there?
2: No, I don't think so, because, like, it, all it takes is one one freak thing to happen, and then all of a sudden you lose your, your best corner because he was doing a job that someone else could probably do. You know, like, I think most of the premier kick returners we've seen in NFL history for the most part aren't. Um, also, like, super premier players, you know, Devin Hester, Desmond Howard, Cordero Patterson even has mostly been a third or fourth receiver, never anybody um super prominent. Probably like back to I don't know, maybe Deion Sanders is probably the last one that I, I can really tell you was like he might be the best player on his team and he's also a punt returner. Um Brian Westbrook, maybe.
1: Deshaun Jackson.
2: Deshaun Jackson, I suppose. But see to me like I think the biggest thing, and it's something like that. I thinking about this up maybe on the last show we had. Like growing up I was a Ravens fan whenever they needed a big punt return they would put ed reed back there and i think that's something like just the more experience you can get those dudes to have like jair alexander or aaron jones aren't going to be your primary return guys they're simply too valuable to what you're doing in offense and defense to risk them doing that like very often but you could see someone like or something like week one and it's we're in the fourth quarter and the packers are down 17 to 20 with a minute and a half left and they're about to get the ball and LaFleur says put Aaron back there or put like someone that legitimately is going to make something happen and whether or not Trevor Davis makes the roster makes that difference because he has been good um, in the NFL as the punt returner uh, but someone so say Trevor Davis doesn't make the roster put someone back there that you think is really going to make something happen and someone like Aaron Jones or someone that you really think is dangerous with the ball in their hand might be an opportunity to do that or might be an option to the to do that. I don't think it's anything where they're really looking for a primary return guy out of a starting corner or a starting um, starting running back, but it's certainly something that it's never bad to, to have that option available.
1: Yeah, that's not a bad point. I know the Philadelphia Eagles used to do that with Sean Jackson too. Eventually he became not the primary punt returner and they threw him back there and the miracle in the Meadowlands part two happened uh, yep. as one yep. of those yep. things. So, I could definitely see that as a scenario of, hey, we trust these guys back there to make right decisions, or maybe they throw somebody back there that actually takes a knee when the coach tells them to take a knee. That could be a thing, too. <laughs> but uh, I think that, yeah, that's not a bad option if you're looking at, like you said, 2017 and say the kickoff returner that they have is essentially... Because, honestly, if you don't have somebody like Cordero Patterson... Or Devin Hester in his prime or something. Well, Devin Hester in his prime is one of the best ever. But you catch my drift. A return specialist like that, essentially what you're asking for somebody to do is 90% of the time take a knee in the end zone. Uh, More often than not, that's what you're looking for, especially with the way the new kickoff rules are. Uh, So that's something that is worth keeping an eye on. It all comes back to, again, like you mentioned, and we've talked about it probably every show since we've been together, Trevor Davis whether or not he makes this roster has a ripple effect for the rest of this team, because if he does make the roster, then you're talking about, you know, does he come in as the sixth wide receiver or do they keep five receivers and Davis is the fifth one as a return specialist. And what that means is, I mean, Jake Kumaro certainly doesn't make the roster. Jamon Moore probably doesn't make the roster in that scenario, or at least, you know, that's, that's kind of where the decision lies there. Um, but the return battle is going to be something to watch, and something the Packers have put a emphasis on. Some of the guys they've brought in this off season have had were almost brought in almost strictly because of their ability for the return position. Brian Gutekunst said it has value in how it can change a game, flipping the field position if you have somebody that's capable of doing well as a returner. That's gonna. We're running short on time here. Uh, so that's going to actually end this episode of the Pack a Day podcast. The OTA portion, the ones that are open to the public, are over. Packers' mandatory mini camp will start next week. If you want a storyline to pay attention to, Josh Jones, it depends on, you know, how, these are voluntary. It really gives some teeth to his trade request, if you will, uh, if he is or isn't going to show up. But like I mentioned, we're out of time. want to thank. Uh, everybody for listening to this show be sure to check it out it's at packaday podcast on twitter you can check out the packaday podcast on your favorite uh podcasting platform and follow nick i know like if we make fun of him just about every week but at sports schmitty is his uh, twitter handle he'll give you updates on his wedding and everything else of that sort nick like i mentioned even if you didn't invite us we're going to be there so I know where Green Bay is. I think Owen can get there. Actually, it's right on the way up, so Owen, I'll come grab you, and we'll we'll run from there. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter. I am at Jacob Westdorf. And Owen, where can we find you?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Reece Draft R-I-E-S-E Draft. Um, yeah, certainly, hopefully Nick has an open bar, and uh, we'll have a grand old time.
1: <laughs> Even if he doesn't have an open bar, we'll make one out of it. That's not a bad idea, I don't think. uh I'm going to assume the radio silence there from all means he's in. So thank you guys for listening to this show. Uh, We're getting closer to training camp and all that sort of stuff. Uh, So by the time we get there, you know, there's a lot of uh, activity, a lot of football stuff that we'll finally be able to talk about. But thanks for listening in every day. And as always, go Pack Go!
0: Six trailing 30 to 23, two minutes straight up to go in the game. San Francisco showing a blitz through the A-gap, and here they come. Rodgers looking, throws left side of the, the, the end zone. zone. Yes. Touchdown! Yes. Yes. Adams! Left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers! 16-yard touchdown pass the Packers an extra point away from getting this game tied. Bethard on third, down and three in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Bethard looking. Hit as he throws it. Deep down the right sideline. And interception. Intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine yard line of Green Bay. Snap to Rogers looking right. Throws the right side, St. Brown makes the chance to the Oh, he reached back to gather it and in, and using all 6-5 of his frame, tumbled out of bounds, inside the 30 at the 28-yard line. Snap to Rodgers, looking downfield, throws the left side, to make got yes. it, out of bounds, inside the 10-yard line! Oh my goodness, what a throw and catch! Again they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley the snap. JK Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is, placement made, kick is up. It is good! It is yes. yes. good! Mason Crosby delivers the there dagger! One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight! And the Packers win 33-30!